action. Boom, 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 pretty boom. Yeah, beyond words, we're back. Felix and now on the attack, dropping lines and words and having conversations here in this place in the garden of Felix, looking at mountains and clouds and skies and butterflies and. We might surmise that our demise is located in our minds. Wow. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Here we are recording. Uh, what is this number? 30 something? That's a good question. Yeah, well. Well, I think we have a new 30, so this is 31. 31. Yeah. 31, our second episode of the second go-around. Maybe a third season. <laughs> second season was the awkward Zoom season that was difficult. Choppy. Choppy. Shout out to Zach. Zach Corbin. Thanks for the video, Zach. Uh, Felix just showed me your, your video uh, message for us. And... Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for your love and support. Look, the, wherever you are, where are you? Where is he? He's in Mancora. Man, well, he was walking on top of a mountain. So there's like a, there's the beach and then it goes right into a desert behind him. Oh, cool. So he like wanders through the desert. Nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> desert wanderer. Yeah, amazing. And uh, Zach's YouTube channel is, um, what's it called again? Geometry Trip. Yeah, Geometry Trip. Check it out, everybody. Zach's There's a lot of cool art. Yeah gifted artist cool zen he calls it zen geometry nice he'll draw it in real time for you and man he's just a genius in creativity amazing i gotta check it out he makes some great tattoos too he does yeah yeah got one on my chest yeah represent cool well i hope you come back to visit zach sometime soon maybe we have zach on the show i think we need to have zach yeah. on the show amazing um zach asked uh why why did we leave Peru, uh, my wife and I, Marta, in the first place? And why did we come back? And uh, we left in 2020. It was midst of, you know, the peak of the quote-unquote pandemic. And uh, we, uh, a lot of reasons, family reasons. We needed to be close to Marta's family. They were going through some things. And... Just, just needed to get some some space and perspective. Our life was in a lot. A lot happened in the pandemic, you know, and we weren't sure where we were going in our life and where the world was going. But uh, we decided to head to Europe to be near Marta's family. We, who are in Poland, but we were in Berlin, and uh, we ended up having our baby there. And we were glad we did because of the medical nature of the birth, and it was pretty intense. But we're glad to be in in the capable hands of the, of the hospitals there. So, uh, and then, uh, 2020 finished in 2021, our daughter was born. And by the end of 2021, uh, last December, we just sat down, we just were feeling into it and 
we just knew we didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, it was a dark winter. It was gray. It was cold. And uh, the pandemic situation uh, made it feel darker and colder. And we just didn't like what was going on there. And uh, for me, I can just speak for me personally. I just felt in Europe, I just don't like, uh, I don't like governments breathing down my back. And they're so organized there that it really feels like they're breathing down your back. It was a new experience for me. Like in the States, the States, one great thing about the U.S. government is it's totally disorganized. <laughs> like they don't have their, it's kind of by design. Uh, the, you know, different government agencies don't really communicate very well to each other. And, um, and you kind of left alone. Like you're not required to register your, like in Germany, you have to register your address so that the government knows where you live at all times and and uh i don't know it's just they're just, it's just so on top of you <laughs> what do you mean register your address well you have to like in the states if you move somewhere you just move and yeah you change your address with the post office but in germany there's you you register yourself um with like the central government office of your district and that gets reported to the national government so you're just like in a database of where you live and it's official and that's that. And um, to do anything, you, you need, you, you do everything with your identity card and everything is just like by the book and uh, within, you, you're just registered. You're just, you know, so if they, not that that's a problem in a way, like I have nothing to worry about, but at the same time, it was just weird. Like who, there's this, it's just that's how it is in Europe, especially in Germany. You're you're a part of the system, very much so. And most Germans, I, they, they're just used to it, and they're happy. It's very organized. Like doing your taxes takes ten minutes because everything's already in the system. They pretty much tell you how much you owe or how much they're going to give you back. And um, so anyway, it just didn't feel right. And so we thought we'll try out the states. So we went to the states. Spent some time in Florida and then North Carolina, kind of feeling it out. We were with our daughter, kind of traveling. It was hard with a baby, uh, moving about, not having a home. And we spent a few months in the States, and as time went by, uh, it just didn't feel right either. And the immigration process for Marta, even though we've been married for five years and we have a U.S. citizen daughter, it's still a pain in the ass and it takes a lot of time during which she wouldn't be able to leave the country and for like a year and a half. And with her family situation, she didn't like the idea of being stuck in the States. So, and it just didn't feel very good to us there. Uh, I remember you talking about kind of the sensation you had in the cities in the States, mm -hmm. like how vastly different it was from maybe not Europe, but from Peru. Yeah. Like what you could feel energetically or, or what you could sense. Yeah. Uh, we started in Florida. Florida felt pretty damn good, especially after cold, wintry Germany. But we just got there, and people seemed to be pretty chill and happy and smiling. We could see people's faces. Not, not everyone was wearing masks. And so the first time we went to the grocery store, it was like, wow. Like, I don't know. It was just a happy, chill atmosphere. But, uh, but we had a hard time finding like-minded like people there, and, and it was super expensive. But we learned that everywhere is expensive now in the States, like rents and real estate and food prices. Everything's gotten so expensive. And... So we tried Asheville, North Carolina, because there's a lot of some mutual friends we have there and plant medicine people there. And it was, it's cool, but it's the same thing, man. It just, 
feels the U.S. is going through a crisis of identity, I think, and almost like an adolescent stage, a lot of inner conflict between people and uh, within the people themselves. And, uh, man, I never, uh, I don't recall in the States seeing so much, um, just so much like drug addiction, uh, homelessness, but like all the homeless people I saw, they're clearly just in the midst of serious addiction. You can just tell they're just, they're on whatever it is, meth or um, opiates or something, but just a lot more than I ever recall. Huge camps, both in Florida and in North Carolina. And on one hand, I felt, wow, well, this place needs, you know, maybe this place needs plant medicine. We can bring our, you know, our gifts and whatever and service here. But at the same time, the other consideration is like how it feels to live there and it was really uh difficult for us so uh i think just being away for so long it's just and having lived here for so long i know how i feel here versus there so it just wasn't the right time so one day we were like well what do we need we need community friends uh good food to eat uh, or to grow and uh beautiful natural environment so like well we know where that is (laughs) so we came back in march and we're very glad we came back so this is the place for us and for our daughter at least for the first few years of her life so man still i I still know you hold the record for the most miles traveled during a global pandemic not only from africa to peru but from it just still blows my mind to this day the fact that you were in germany and the u.s and poland and During all this, uh, I'm going to call it what it is, nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> These weird blockages. Totally. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And all the mo- jumping around I've done and we've done uh, is, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a reflection of what the world's going. The world feels very uncertain right now and I don't know where it's going. And I sense a lot of people are feeling that way at their own life. And, you know, there's... Uh, you know, they do polls in the States. I read like a poll recently, you know, thousands of people polled just about their optimism for the future. And it's, it's dropped dramatically from where it was five years ago or their optimism about their own financial situation and all this talk of food shortages. And it's really weird to me. Like you're talking about it now, but it's not happening really yet. So can it be prevented if you see it coming? It's really weird. The answer is no. I get it. So it's, Not if we're putting it in play. <laughs> it's like manifesting it in a way. You keep talking about it, putting it in the consciousness. Maybe that's all they do. Maybe there's no, like, you know, people running around blowing up trains, although there have been trains, that have, like seed trains that have been derailing all over the U.S. And really? Food, yeah. like I know the food farms. processing plant's burning. Yeah. Like, I think it was something like 120... Or more food processing plants like burnt to the ground. Yeah, recently, just out of. I looked of... up that on YouTube, and the first video was like someone debunking this story, but then all the other videos were local news report after local news report of a local food plant burning down, and all these were within the last six months. You know, it's weird. <laughs> this is the weird. I mean, we kind of talk about this when you first got here. It's like these conflicting ideas of like. They even show you straight to your face, and I mean the media. The media shows you straight to the face what is happening. Like these food processing plants are being burned. And then everyone's like, no, they're not. 
And then or it's a coincidence. Or it's a co- yeah. It randomly happened. Every food processing plant <laughs> yeah. just randomly caught on fire by kerosene or something weird. But then, you know, that same media corporation will come back and say the same thing. No, it was just a, you know, those are false claims, but we reported on them, but now they're false, so don't worry about it. That's actually a fake thing. It's just so conflicting. And I think this is where that crisis of identity is coming from because people are trying to find a steady place to stand on, but even the steady places they're standing on are shaking beneath their feet. Right. So they're like, you know, you know, the people who voted for Biden, there's this guy who walks around in the city and he's like asking people, what do you think of Biden? Did you vote for Biden? They're like, yeah, I voted for Biden. But now I'm seeing our country is falling apart. Right. So you're this man you you committed your your vote towards is now ruining your country and making things more expensive. Whether it's him or not, I don't know. I don't know if he even has the capabilities capabilities to really do anything. There's no conspiracy behind him. You can see him pretty clearly. But uh yeah, I think it's just it, People don't know where to stand, and there's all these new movements that are arising. There's all these new mo- new conflicts that are arising: uh, the abortion conflict, the BLM conflict, the you know vaccine conflict, uh, conflict. And it's just like the gun rights. The, conflict. Yeah, the gun right conflict. That's God. It's just Ukraine conflict. How many sides can you be on simultaneously? Yeah. Can you find a place to be you? And this is the thing: is they. I feel the trick is is that they're trying to pull you into another group's conflict other than your own. Right. And the blessing in all of this, at least for me, has been to realize that I'm not going to find myself by reading the news or taking sides about any particular topic. Like, it's all in me. And, and this is something, I, you know, I told you about this video I like to follow this guy on YouTube, uh, Peter Santello. He has a really cool uh, channel. Uh, Peter Peter San Peter Santanello, and he does. Uh, he's like a travel journalist kind of guy. He just makes videos in different places, and he talks to people. And lately, it's I think it's all in the states. And um, the the one of the recent ones was uh, he did one on poor Atlanta, so in like really poor neighborhoods, which was amazing. And then Rich Atlanta, and in the Rich Atlanta uh, one, he uh, he's the whole episode. He's really just going around with this um, this black guy from Atlanta who grew up really poor, and now he's very rich, uh, financially rich from real estate. And uh, the second half of the episode, he, the guy's just sharing about his uh, his process, like how did he get out of poverty, you know. And he came to realize on his journey, he shared about this, like, firstly, I thought it was funny, him and this other guy, both of them were really deeply impacted by The Secret, that the book or or documentary slash book of the, it was like early 2000s, it was all the rage. And uh, it's kind of like, it's manifestation stuff, right? And kind of cheesy for a lot of people, and I had my doubts about it, but there's some, something to it. But anyway, deeply impacted by that. And realizing at some point on his journey that uh, everything comes from his mind and is all about like what he realized what he puts in his mind is what he gets out. And so he just weeded out all negativity from his life, people, negative people especially, and, um, and movies, music, 
news. So he just cut it all out. Anything that's negative, that he had a negative impact on his mind state. And so he stopped following news, everything. And he just focused on real estate and like closing deals. That's his, you know, that's his, that's what he loves. And he wanted to have all the nice things. And so that's what he did. And he just got out of poverty because he changed his mind and he fed his mind positively. And I think that's, I just listening to the way he explained it too, is just very, in a very, very shamanic explanation in a way from someone who I don't, maybe he does, but I don't think is engaged with like psychedelics or plant medicines. He's just really focused on real estate. And he had this realization about the importance of what you put in your mind. So, uh, and I think this whole uh, pandemic and uh, the news and the conflict and the, are you on this side or that side of this debate and blah, blah, blah. It's a big distraction. And hearing this guy talk just kind of reminded me too of, you know, the importance of what we put in our, in our, in our mind, in our field, because that's everything that goes in that we experience and that we watch and that we listen to, it leaves an imprint. Even if we forget about it the next day, it's there. Uh, at least that's my experience. That's what I saw from Iboga specifically. Iboga is like the mind doctor. And it showed me so clearly how like the subconscious mind, like what it is, or at least my experience of it, is just like this, it, it, all of my thoughts and judgments about myself and others stem from this subconscious thing that keeps playing out in the background. And that subconscious thing is a lot of it's just the imprint of everything I've absorbed in my life, whether experiences, movies, music, um, everything gets stored. It's there. Everything is there. I don't think there's a single thing that we experience that we actually forget, even though we might have trouble. Like my memory, I feel like it sucks, but memory is simply the ability to go into that subconscious like computer and pull things up. But whether we can do that or not very well, doesn't matter. It's there. And it's, it's the root of all of our conscious thoughts and experiences. And so, um, and so, and all of that is just a result of what goes into it. And some things are out of our control, especially when we're children, we're just, we're just, you know, uh, the circumstance of our life and our family and our upbringing and the traumas, everything that happens. But uh, there comes a point where we start to have a little more power over that in terms of what we choose to take in. And our choices are obviously influenced by everything that's happened before. So it takes a lot of work to make choices that are kind of against the program that we're used to. And so this has become really clear to me. It's like, what am I putting in my brain, you know? Because it's very important, very important. We have to tend that garden so carefully. And if I swear, if everybody in the world turns off the fucking news, turns off like any conflict talk, any like political talk, just turns it all off for for a month, you know, everything would change. You know, it's like that Bill Bill Hicks quote you talk about, you know, and CNN, blah, 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 war, war. Death, famine, blah. War, famine, death, AIDS, homeless, dis- depression, recession, war, famine, death, AIDS. Then you look outside your window and it's just... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So maybe we just need to look outside the window more at those birds uh, tweeting and uh, or be in the garden or whatever, go to the park and just turn all that shit off. And it's hard to turn off. We're addicted to it. I'm addicted to it but I'm turning it off more now. I stopped following like political podcasts and stuff that just pisses me off and gets me all riled up because I pick a side. And it's all, we're, we're picking sides. We've, when, when we pick sides, we forget that like when we look at another person who has a different opinion, 
they're they're us too it's the same thing you hate them all you want but that's you and they're you just have a different story running around your mind the story has is it's not even real none of it's real like it's just a fucking story and we're so addicted to stories that we're willing to kill over it or hate over it i mean it's just like religion religion is a different story that we've fought thousands and thousands and thousands of wars over but yeah, I think highlighting the trap of the division in all of it. <clears throat> I remember having the this Bufo experience. Bufo, 5-MeO-DMT, the venom of a Sonora desert toad. It's, it's really strong, strong medicine. And you smoke it and uh, you die or you're gone. <laughs> so in that death, it was really fascinating to see this kind of dissolution of separation and not dissolution of separation is this like I've absolved I've uh, dissolved into one but this dissolution of separation of like any idea I had of separation in between me and another being was imaginary and so seeing like you know I can see you Al I'm sitting in front of you but literally there is no separation we are here together in this space of one and like we are all on this earth together as one and this was a bufo experience so we'll take it as you want but you can't deny that we're all on the same planet and <laughs> i was watching uh brooklyn 99 this morning chock full of wisdom that's uh, right. you know <laughs> that's funny filling my head full of goofy media and <laughs> as I, i've probably watched these brooklyn 99 all six seasons maybe five times through each so a lot of it's kind of embedded itself into the memory banks there but uh there's an episode where Gina Linetti, who is the um, secretary for Captain Holt, she's learning astrology, or sorry, astronomy, and she's hating it, and she says it's really boring, and they bring on Neil deGrasse Tyson into the, the episode, and he's like, Gina, I want you to feel this inspiration that we're all here together on this this spaceship Earth, and I keep thinking about that phrase, the spaceship Earth, like... Literally, we are hurtling through space at thousands of miles an hour around a massive black hole. I don't know if you've recently seen the photos they've taken of this black hole in the middle of the Milky Way galaxy. It is massive. And uh, we don't know where we're going. Space is expanding infinitely. And what is our planet doing except bickering about nonsense? It's like we have this incredible potential to start maybe exploring outside of the realm of what we know, <clears throat> but instead we choose to fight on words and ideas. And we're missing this incredible spaceship Earth that's hurtling through space. Yeah, it's just that these conflicts don't create evolution. These, these conflicts create de-evolution, or they devolve us. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, they do. Unevolve? They devolve or devolve, distract. Yeah. Yeah, more and more, if I encounter someone who has a really strong opinion that my mind doesn't agree with, I'm trying to see them and it's becoming easier, like, not for their opinion, but just like, just seeing them as a result of their experience and and um, still trying to see past that, like the person that they actually are. And uh, my wife, Marta, we, we drank ayahuasca together years ago and she said something, maybe it was afterwards, how she she saw with the medicine that she saw like 
her thoughts being formed. It was almost like they were just like being shot out of her brain, like thought, thought. And the realization that none of them are true, that it's all just like true in the ultimate sense. It might be true for you in the moment, you know, your thought, but it's just a thought. It's so, it's just, we're just putting a story on top of reality. But reality happens before the story, before the thought. The thought emerges after, right? So if something happens and we label it, that's a rock, that's a wall, that's a sky, that's a bad president, that's a, that's a good country, that's a bad country. But all of that, the labels happen after the fact. So the fact of the matter is, you know, what happens and that's the truth, what actually happens. The story we tell about it is not true, it can't be true. Because we're, it can't be true because you'll see different people have different stories about it. So who's to say that my story is the correct one and yours is the wrong one? No, they're all wrong. They're all just stories. And that's just what we do as humans. We label everything. So I th- I don't know. I think that's really fascinating. And, and yeah, g- getting caught up in all these different topics. It seems to be more prevalent in the States than anywhere else. But maybe I'm just only follow the States of like, we're just so absorbed in these debates of abortion versus not abortion or gun rights or um, uh, the war in Ukraine or um, uh, gender identity, all this stuff. It's like, it's fine to have an opinion about it, but recognize that the other person's opinion is no more or less valid than yours uh, because uh, you're just telling a story. (laughs) But that's, that's the challenge with news, period. Like the news will record an event and then give their idea about that event, their story about that event. And man, it could be, you know, the complete opposite of what actually happened, but they're going to tell you what they think happened. And man, this kind of goes back. We had one podcast where we talked about Robert Anton Wilson and his foundation for normal. I think it's foundation for normal or foundation for the real. And so they said, We'll give you a huge, I think the the pot was like $2 million to provide something that's normal, that you can say is normal across the board. And so if somebody can provide evidence of something that's normal, like I'm going to bring you this glass of water, and you can say that's normal because that's a glass of water. Well, is that just a glass of water? What is your opinion on that glass of water? Do you like water like that? Do you like, you know what I mean? So it's all based, like reality is so subjective. And maybe that's the issue, is that we've created such a subjective reality that we no longer live in reality. This is what the real matrix is, is a matrix of ideas of what we think the world is or how it should behave. And because of that, we're so lost in these ideas that we can't actually interact with objective reality. And I think this is why people have such mind-blowing experiences in plant medicine or whatever when they connect to themselves, because they're like, oh, this is who I am, or this is what I am, this experiential being. And, you know, we'll leave that experience of whatever psychedelic it was, and we'll go home, and then we'll start to rationalize it and start to think, oh, you know what, this is, it could could have meant this uh, psychologically, it could have meant this subjectively, it could have meant this, you know, the shaman says it means means this, you know, the the star beings that came down in my ceremony says it means, means this, and it's like, where is the pure essence of experience that we can actually, and I think this is where it becomes challenging is because 
no words can be utilized in the description of what experience is. And so in no moment can we say whether something is right or wrong because it's based within experience. I saw this video the other day, and uh, coming from a Christian background, it was a bit conflicting, even though I'm not Christian anymore. But uh, <clears throat> this, this man comes up and he says, there's no such thing as the devil. He says, you need to get rid of that idea immediately. And at first I had all these conflicts like, oh, well, you know, there's, what do you mean there's no such thing as the devil? There's no such thing as evil, whatever the devil may represent, this negative force, so forth and so on. And he says later on, he says, well, everything that happens, it, it doesn't have a charge. It's a neutral thing until we decide whether it's positive or negative, whether this is a positive impact or a negative, negative impact. And so even going back to like the pandemic, we really don't know whether that was a positive thing or a negative thing. Sure, we're seeing repercussions of you know financial hardship and so forth and so on. But is that starting to spur people in the better direction of finding a way to have more say in their government or to find different avenues of income or what? We don't know. It could have a really massively positive impact on the world. And, you know, I want to step further and further away from judging any kind of situation. It's, it's yeah, I think we get so caught up in changing what people think. And I think the most important thing is like learning how to think. Because we just, we kind of have this babble of incessant thoughts that don't really do anything. Now imagine if you could utilize those thoughts to really create something powerful and beautiful. And it's interesting we bring up, you know, Zach in the beginning of this podcast because Zach had that thing. He, he's like, I have this, this dream of what I want to accomplish and I'm going to do it no matter what. And he dreamt and he keeps dreaming. Every time I talk to him, he has a new idea of how he's going to expand this thing that he's creating. Man, that is utilizing the mind. The same thing is like this, this podcast was just an idea. We were both, you know, flirting with the idea before we kind of talked about it. We had a podcast at the temple years and years and years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and now it's, you know, it's coming back into fruition and it's, it's manifesting. And, and the question is, I want to keep asking is how do we keep evolving? How do we keep expanding? How do we utilize this platform for the betterment of, you know, it doesn't have to be for other people, but for our minds and for our being. Yeah. I, uh, with, with, um, the realization that experience is subjective, right? I think that's a, seems to be a realization that's happening on a large scale. Just if you, I mean, uh, again, just speaking of, of the culture I know, the United States, you know, in recent years, you see a big fragmentation, right, uh, of people and a lot of people just like, uh, you know, I, when I grew up, we were told that the, the founders of the country, you know, were great people and they did amazing things and they founded this country with really strong principles and uh, based on personal freedom and personal responsibility and not being subject to monarchy and being told what to do by a, by a head of state, you know, and, and that's how the country was founded. And now, uh, people are learning and being told that, uh, you know, the founders were racists and slave owners and the country was founded on slavery. And, 
and uh, it's just all evil and uh, and uh, and <clears throat> I I'm trying to like see that both of those things can be true in a way. And, you know, when I look at the founders of the U.S., like, yeah, George Washington had slaves. In fact, he had dentures made out of slaves' teeth. You know, pretty pretty nasty, horrible, horrible stuff. But I think it's possible to, for the person to, to have not nice qualities, but to also still have really good qualities at the same time. I think we can be both, right? So him and the, the others who wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, like, their personal lives might have been shit. They might have done some really not nice things. But at the same time, they also wrote some really amazing ideas on paper. So firstly, this whole idea of like canceling people from the past, you know, I think it's a, I get it. Uh, but it's, and it's important to like honestly look at our past. But at the same time, let's recognize that we're all human beings and people uh, 300 years ago, uh, like they were living in a very different time and culture and they're a different set of values of what was right and wrong. And uh, you can, it's really hard to judge those people because they were, uh, you know, uh, part of their own circumstances. And maybe 100 years from now, we real, you know, we've come to realize that um, wearing jeans actually turned out to be the worst thing we could do for the planet and for our fellow human beings. And for whatever reason, because of the material that genes are made out of, the the color, it's just like actually just destroying us, right? And and so 100 years from now, we look back and we realize that um, uh, Gandhi wore jeans and Mother Teresa wore jeans at some point. And I don't know if she did, but, uh, you know, all these heroes we had wore jeans, and so we canceled them. They're like, no, they were evil because they wore jeans because we're, you know, applying our current knowledge to the past and judgments. So, but anyway, if reality is subjective and, you know, I think it's basically what I see happening in culture is like, uh, we're, we're a lot of people realizing that, but then they're not really realizing that they're getting militant about that. Right. So, um, what's an example of that is like, uh, I, I think it's one thing to realize reality, reality is, is subjective and, you know, everyone's experience is different and we have to honor that. And uh, But at the same time, we have to, in order to operate as a culture, a society, as human beings, we have to have like some agreements, right? Some principles like that we don't, I, I, we don't physically harm each other unless it's self-defense. We don't steal from each other. We don't lie to each other. We respect each other's views and, and beliefs and opinions um, we respect them and we can debate about them, but we respect and honor that as well. And I think what's happening is like people are taking the subjective thing too far and anyone who they disagree with or who still hold on to like more conservative ideas and principles are somehow evil when that ideology as well is actually another ideology taking root and we're enforcing our own view on another so uh, I think it's really important like to like if we're going to move forward and have uh, blossom as a society we have to like come back to like respecting each other's opinions on things and as long as we're you know not physically harming each other other than self-defense and you know that's a really important one and respecting others opinions 
and not stealing and not lying and being truthful and honest, then I think that's the foundation we need. And some people, uh, I think we, we have to have that. Like, even though reality at its fundamental core, there's no story, there's no rules, blah, blah, blah. But we have to, we have to have something, something to work with, you know, an operating system. So, uh, but it can be quite simple, you know, and from those like principles of respect and not harming each other except for self-defense, blah, 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 we can establish a pretty great society, all right? And I think that's, going back to the U.S. Constitution, that was the whole point of the whole country. <laughs> it was that. Take away the stories about the founders and what they were doing with their private life and that slavery exists at the time. That's awful. But take that away and just come back to the the principles. It's pretty awesome. And right now, what we're seeing in the world, that the world... The world is, at least society and civilization is, as we know it, the, the ones that we've been able to have records of, it's always a tendency of people who have power, once they have it, to consolidate it and want more and more and more. And those who don't have it are subjects to it. And we're seeing that happen now. It's like a trend in the U.S. political system. And it's a trend in Europe. Look at China. I think all the governments of the world look at China and they're like, they're salivating. They're like, that's what we want. Total control. And, uh, I don't fucking want that because I'm, I'm a free person. And, uh, ultimately we're all free anyway. Like nobody has power over you unless you give it to them. Um, but I'd like to operate in a world where, uh, people aren't abusing their positions uh, to determine my life, my day-to-day experience, and what I can and can't do, as long as I'm not harming people. But this is where the issue of cancel culture comes in, is because they're making these little microcosms of control because they're afraid of something that may harm their idea, whatever it is. And regardless of whether, this is the issue with freedom, right? This is where governments and people who are I want to say governments, let's say people who want more power and control. The issue is they know that with freedom, like, they they can't manipulate a society under freedom. Now, the other issue with freedom is that people can do anything. Like, the more free a nation is, literally people can do anything. Form their own governments, um, uh, have their own opinions about the government, see where anything is infringing on their freedom and this is not being said very clearly but the idea is that freedom is dangerous in their eyes they see that anyone having freedom can um, do anything with that and that that kind of goes into like gun control now is a gun a dangerous thing absolutely but is it dangerous in the hands of somebody who is dangerous or evil? I, a gun is not dangerous if it's just sitting on the table. No, exactly. It's not. Sorry, that's what I should say. Yeah, the gun is not dangerous if it's sitting on a table, but it's the hand that holds it. Mm-hmm. Freedom isn't dangerous for for the person who is a good-hearted person or who holds a value of some sort, but it is to those who do not. And this is where these conflicts are coming in. And so, in the cancel culture. They're shutting all these freedoms down, especially with comedians nowadays. Like this is where we're seeing the front it's lines. It's it's horrible. Comedians are there to laugh at society and laugh with society and point out to society like how seriously they're taking themselves and to take the piss out of that. You know exactly. The jester in the king's court is the only one who can tell the truth. Mm-hmm. 
And so this is now we're shutting down the people who can tell the truth to human society. Because at some point, I guess this was being taught in universities, like it's like a thing. Because when I say um, a principle is like, don't harm another. I mean, like, don't physically harm. But suddenly words now are considered violence. And um, and and somehow we we have the right and the responsibility to shut down words that we consider to be violence. And it's like, that's a highly subjective opinion, firstly. Like, if I say I like ice cream, some people might consider that violent because... How dare you? Maybe they have, like, an eating disorder and they became obese from ice cream. And if I mention ice cream, it triggers them. And that's violence. And you have to watch everything you say. And... Um, that's that's part of where the cancel where the cancel culture comes from too. This all of a sudden there's this idea that like opinions that trigger are violent, and it's like, no, your triggers are for you. And if I say something that triggers you, congratulations, you just received some medicine that's like pointing you somewhere that you can look at. Because uh, if you take someone like, you know, the archetype of Buddha, you could tell Buddha whatever the hell, any kind of insult, and it's not gonna. Nothing's going to happen because Buddha's practicing and experiencing non-attachment. And like you can't take anything personally when you don't, when you realize you're not your ego, you're not your person, right? All of a sudden we're putting egos on a pedestal and like trying to caress them and massage them and not harm them. When the whole point of development in our spiritual path, in my humble opinion, is the real, to realize that our ego is not who we are. And how do we realize that? Well, one way is to get triggered. And the more we get triggered... And if we, if we take the trigger as like a medicine and something, it's a pointing at us at, if I get triggered, it's pointing at me. There's something to look at. I have a button that someone's pushing. So why is that button there? Oh, because when I was a kid, someone said that to me and it, you know, it hurt me at the time. I didn't have the tools to deal with it. And I still haven't looked at that. And I still haven't processed that and learned from it and grown from it. And then just now I want to live in a little insulated bubble and, and, and protect myself from the world around me and, silence people and throw them in jail because they say something that triggers that thing that I haven't taken responsibility for. So, uh, that's, that's, uh, apparently that's kind of like how, what happened, uh, in the like communist Russia, how it came about, you know, it was the same thing. It was like banning speech and, and, um, you can't say certain things. If you do, you go to jail and you know, it's just like, I understand that there, there's good intentions behind a lot of this, you know, it's just like, let's not hurt each other's feelings, you know, by saying things that trigger, I get it, but it doesn't go anywhere good because, uh, eventually there's anything you can say can trigger somebody. But, but that's, th this is the issue is it's taking away one of the amendments, which is the freedom of speech. I think it's the very first. People want that taken away. Yeah, but that's the very first amendment I for know. a reason. If you if you if you're free of freedom of speech now you're considered a right wing extremist where it used to be like uh, th that was like the most sacred thing that we had in our culture you know and now there's all this talk of like free speech is is bad and it's you know it's like no like look at yourself if you're triggered like face it don't silence someone else because of that. How dare you say that? <laughs> How dare you tell me that freedom of speech is not free? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Well, thank God for this platform, you know, for podcasting. And, mm -hmm. you know, if it goes really far, then, you know, our podcast, you know, if the powers that be get in control of Spotify or Apple and they want to, you know, then they can silence it. But then there's other avenues to release it, you know, 
in ways that are not through platforms. You can, anyone can access it. As long as there's an internet, there's free speech. And so that's, I have a lot of hope, you know, that for, like good things, things that are truly uh, aligned with uh, spirit. <laughs> and one of those things I think is like the freedom to express. Uh, they always find a way. Sometimes it's not pretty to get there, you know, but look what happened to the Soviet Union. It collapsed. Uh, these things don't last. Uh, these attempts at oppressing, like, the human spirit, it just, uh, it just it can't work. It, you're going against the laws of the universe. Um, you just, you, you, there will be periods of difficulty. Maybe we're going into one now, but ultimately, human spirit prevails everything, man. And uh, uh, people that want to control and dominate other human beings they're doing that from their ego and the ego is so damn fragile whereas the spirit is infinite and it never dies right so the ego dies it's people die their brains die whatever uh so it just it can't it can't win so i love that you touched on the thing of <clears throat> we're trying or what what's happening is that with these ideas of fighting against ideas or opinions is putting people deeper into their ego or the identity deeper into the ego, which is, that's so true. Like, that's such a huge realization. It's just like people are being, I don't want to say forced because no one's really forced to do anything, but there's this kind of curve of where society's heading of being identified with something about you, your physique. You need to identify with this you are Alan. You are six foot, 7,000 feet. And <laughs> you're white. You're a male. Yeah. You're, you know, your gender, your skin color. That's who you are. Yeah. But that, uh, that's not who you are. And this is, this is where that question, like you were talking about the, the interviews in the poor Atlanta, that documentary and where, what were people saying in that? Like people in the hood were saying, know yourself. Exactly. Yeah, this guy had been had gunshot wound, like, in his he had shot six times in the stomach. Like that guy faced some stuff, right? He had to look at himself, and he's come out the other side, and he's just like, know thyself, you know, <laughs> which is one of the most fundamental like statements of a spiritual journey of life. Is just like know yourself and be yourself, and um, yeah, thought that was really, and and not to be confused with. Uh, identify with ideas and stories and groups no know yourself and what capital s self know your true self when neo goes to see the oracle in the matrix she has a latin phrase above her door in the kitchen and she says neo do you know what that means he goes no she goes know thyself that's the first thing she tells neo this man oracle the oracle says yeah that's it. Not the first thing. I don't want to say that. It's like later down. In the mm -hmm. talk. And the whole, man, what a great, it took me a few times watching that movie to get that part, the Oracle part. But basically he went to her wanting to know his fate. Right. And she told him, but she also told him that it's up to you. Right. No, she says, sorry, you're not it. Right. He but goes, oh. yeah, because he didn't believe it yet. She's just reflecting him. Right? I Is that know. it? Yeah. Yeah. You're not it, but... You're not it. But she didn't say this, but what she could have said after, if 
she completed is, but it's not up to me to decide. But she actually, let me think about the, the scene. So he comes in, she's like, all right, let me see. And she like opens his mouth, looks at his hands and she, she goes, uh-huh. Well, you expect me to say, and then he says, uh, that I'm not it. He expects her to say he's not it. And she says that to him. She says, what? You're not it. So she just repeats what he says. Exactly. So, so who's, now this is interesting. Like, what's the oracle of the modern age? And who's telling us what we are? The media, news, culture, our governments. But why do we believe it? Because the all-powerful screen is just, it's a very primal thing. It's like, if you see a talking head on a bright screen, then it's got to be true, man. It's like, uh, why do we believe it? Uh, because we've just, we've forgotten who we are. Why have we forgotten who we are? Because probably because it's, that's the intention. Because if we forget who we are, then those who have power keep that power and grow it. And they're addicted and they're so lost in it. Probably they don't even realize it. But uh, that's the story of humanity is a battle of those in power and those who just want to be free. And uh, well, the, the story of history is those who won the war. Yeah, the 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 what is it? Those the history books are written by whoever wins wars writes the history books, and they've been rewritten many times. But that's if you've ever studied, like if you read uh, Graham Hancock, Fingerprints of the Gods, or I think he has Magicians of the Gods or something like that, a newer book out. But he talks more and more in depth about this timeline that we've been taught throughout school about, you know, there was nothing really before, like cavemen are, was our roots. Like we all came from cavemen yeah. that evolved from apes, which evolved from da, 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 da. But that's not it. Like the world is, what do they say, 4.5 billion years old. And there's all this history. There's ruins that they cannot they figure keep getting out. older the They're, ruins yeah they can't figure out the date that they actually were built and they want to say oh you know it's within this range of time that yeah. the history books say but we can't bend outside of that now in the vatican the vatican has 40 kilometers or 50 kilometers underneath the vatican these underground ruins that are filled like to the brim of books on the history of humanity, the real history, like the real knowledge. And it's not released to the public. Yeah. What, where did we come from? Because if we realize where we came from, we'd be more free. And we'd remember in another way to keep power over people is tell them that they're born sinners. They're born guilty and make them carry that guilt their whole life. And because then all their attention is on the fact that they're guilty. And when they're guilty, they're, they're just slaves to that guilt and they're so humble and they don't strive for anything because they feel it just triggers their guilt. Well, they need struggle. They need pain to, you know, overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like the new, the new story of guilt is like you're, you're guilty for the, the, the past and those who looked like you, what they did, that's your fault now. You carry that guilt. Or the new story is you're a victim. You're a victim because those who came before you who looked like you were victims. And now you're a victim. And it's because of them. It's because of those people who look like those previous people who did that one thing. And, and you're just a victim. You're a victim and you're, 
you're a perpetrator and it's all because of the way you look and that's just the way it is and you should just fight each other and struggle and think about that all day while I gain more power over you, you fuck, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't censor yourself. <laughs> Say it. Yeah. Be proud. It's so, man, it's, I, I get really, I guess as I get older, it's just I realize all these people, I've said it before, but it's like all oh, the people in power, presidents, I used to kind of put them on a pedestal like, you know, they're more powerful than me. They must know. They must know. But now I just see them as, they're just like me. They're humans and they're addicted to this thing and they're stupid and they're, they're just as stupid as me. I'm not saying I'm any less stupid, but, <laughs> but they're, they believe it. They believe their own stupid thoughts and they're addicted to power and they think they're, they believe the stupid thought that they're right. <laughs> so silly. And, um, yeah, I just want to be free. I want everybody to be free. We are free. We I are want free. I want us all, including myself, to just remember that. That we're free. And uh to live like it. To live like it. And how do you live like it? Well stop giving power to the people who think they have power. Because their only power comes from you giving it to them and believing them. Uh yeah. And I think there's two outcomes from this past few years is either people realize that and work to become more free, or they get more scared and they become even more uh, in lockstep with what they're told about what's going on and what they should do about it. And, uh, yeah, you see both outcomes. I think the, there's a split happening in, in the consciousness in a way. And um, Mitosis. Yeah. Evolution. But on the other side of the coin with the guilty thing, like what I see too is this. So maybe you're not raised in a religious doctrine because that's, I feel like, the core of the guilty. Or in, and depends on what culture you're coming from or where you're coming from but that guilty thing is very present. The other thing is the evolution. And I saw this really fascinating video on evolution. <clears throat> and it was a gentleman talking about evolution. He says, if evolution was real, why do we have bees that are the same type of bees that we have now that were trapped in sap that were 12 million years old, 13 million years old? Where's, been, where's the change been in those bees? He said, if we evolve from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? How does that make sense? Some people say that um, monkeys devolved from us. <laughs> <laughs> or we're devolving back so into monkeys. <laughs> there were humans, and some were like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to go climb some trees. And then the ones who were like the best at climbing, they survived, and they eat. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, I'm really in. Now I've been following these like obscure YouTube channels of, you know, and I take it with a grain of salt, but of guys who are questioning everything about history. And this one guy, he did this thing about the, the World's Fair in Paris, France in 1900, I think it was. And there's all these like videos, old films and photography from that time. And the skyline of Paris was totally different. It was so ma magnificent with just like the most beautiful buildings with inspires everywhere. And, and, uh, the stories that they built all these buildings just for the World's Fair. They built them in one year and then they tore them down. And he's like, well, why? Firstly, how would they build that in one year? It's just like these incredible, like there's this one, it's like a mall. It's like an indoor mall, but just with the most ornate detail in, in the stonework and the floor and everything is just, it's just so 
it's like money wasn't even a thing. Like, how do they even have the resources to do that? And then just tear it down after the World's Fair is over? His theory is that all these buildings were there a long, for a long time, and there was a great reset, and a lot of them were torn down, and humanity was kind of directed to forget about all that history, that in fact there was a great civilization that had been here for a long, long time that harnessed free energy from the universe, and all these spires and domes that we see in these old buildings, they were actually... Why do they all have spires and domes? It was actually, they were there to uh, collect free energy. And, you know, free energy means free people. You don't have to pay for your energy and it doesn't come from a finite resource like oil. You know, so his whole thing is that uh, there is a great history that's been erased from our collective memory and that we've been reprogrammed, you know. And it's like when I look at a lot of stuff now, uh, like the pyramids or, you know, just ancient structures and you just really sit and question like how did they build that no one still they have these theories that you know there's a million people carrying fucking stones on their back it's like from hundreds of thousands of or thousands of miles away to build these things you know you look at Machu Picchu you look at some of the structures here Cusco Sacsayhuaman like these huge perfectly carved stones that no one can move even now it's like how how did they do that and and why are there pyramids all over the world like why are there pyramids in Mexico and in uh, in uh, in in Asia? There's pure old ancient pyramids in 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 Africa and in in, in uh, Egypt. Like there's all these like why were they all building massive pyramids? You know, and I just question the narrative about it all and how old these things are. And like, uh, it, yeah, I just can't help but think. Well, and it's fun to think. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Maybe there is, there was something incredible and where we really were realizing our human potential and, and people in power, uh, they realized that they were losing their power. So they used that power to, you know, erase our collective memory about it and to make us feel like victims or guilty or to, to get us in conflict with each other so that we don't come back to that place of true, true freedom of our physical experience on this earth. The CIA did research on memory manipulation, and they declassified some of the files, and a lot of the other files are still classified. And look this up, because it's real, but they found a way to alter memories, not only alter memories, but erase memories. And some of that, like one of their main things in the way they would erase memories is through trauma. And so... You know, I think of global traumas, like how many times has our globe or has our world experienced trauma? Or let's just say humanity in general. How many times have we experienced some kind of trauma, whether uh, real, like a meteor hitting the earth, or fake, like wars, or that's not fake, that's real, uh, wars, or through, you know, the manipulation of information from the government like don't leave the other side of this wall you get eaten by giant 30-foot spiders or like a story that you're born guilty you know because you're traumatizing them upon birth which is yeah so it's, it's a lot of fascinating information especially in uh, fingerprints of the gods where he talks about the sphinx and how the the erosion on the sphinx is like six or ten times older than they can imagine because it's all from rain and the potential of the Nile rising and so forth and so on. They discovered, I think it was like a hundred, he wanted to say a hundred thousand years old. Man, a hundred thousand years of history is gone. Who are we? Who are we? But 
the next problem is when we start asking these questions or when question legitimate questions about humanity or what we are or these potentials for this new expansion then along comes there's this new virus called covid and it's going to kill you there's this new war happening in eastern europe and it's going to kill you you need to be afraid of the next thing or or now you can't afford your bills for gas it's just be afraid like there's always this thing on the edge of you get keeping you on the edge of your seat thinking about no i got to focus on life because i can't focus on the rest of this bigger question but then there's these groups of people that are emerging like these guys are watching on youtube uh hopefully our listeners that are starting to ask bigger questions outside of the realm of what's going to happen tomorrow with gas prices or am i going to die from covid and it's and even if uh covid gets me one day and i die or the war in ukraine turns into a global nuclear war and we all die what purpose does it serve me sitting here uh being afraid of it it doesn't get me it doesn't change anything other than it distracts me and deflects me from being free and having a free mind and pursuing my life you know so i'm just going to sit around here in fear waiting for this thing to happen that i'm being told is going to happen i don't know if it's going to happen but i'm just going to be afraid of it and i'm just going to live my life in fear and that's what a lot of us are doing and it's not these things may or may not come to pass, but sitting around and living our life as if they will is not going to help. And, uh, yeah, that's the, it's like we're living our life based on like a set of, uh, possibilities. And the ones that the media is promoting to us are the worst ones or the worst case outcome. Why aren't there new stories about, well, this war could end and, you know, and we'll all learn from it and we'll find peace or, um, well, this virus, most of us aren't dying from it. And those that are at risk are learning to take care of their health and learning, you know, what's important and how to support their immune system. And, you know, maybe we're just going to all like really overcome this and like be a more resilient and insightful and compassionate, kind human race. You know, you know, what about that outcome? How is that not talked about? Cause I see that as entirely possible too. Uh, if, also, especially if we intend it that way, and one way to intend it that way is to talk about that possibility. Today on the positive news, human humanity has realized it's an, a tiny slice of infinity, discovering itself through subjective experience and objective observation. Here we begin to evolve through the ages and learn the manipulation of matter, space, and time. We then discover our human right, birthrights here on this planet and begin to evolve consciously into becoming super psychic beings. <laughs> like, where are those stories? Yeah. <laughs> and why did he have to die so young? That's a good question. Him, Terrence McKenna. Terrence McKenna, yeah. Tim Leary. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> The real Jesus, not the one they, in the books, you know. The not real the random one. white guy that... <laughs> the one who like was Caesar. talking about freeing your mind. <laughs> yeah. There's this book uh, that was gifted to me on my birthday um, called The Rose of Paracelsus. And it's about these guys who manufactured LSD back in the day. And they're all... A lot of them are in prison. And uh, while they were manufacturing LSD, they were basically like millions of doses of acid were being absorbed through their skin. So they were on LSD like all the time. And if you can imagine 
one hit of acid. Can you imagine a million hits of acid? They found like one of their their scientists had basically taken the biggest dose ever, which was a million hits of acid, which is crazy. So these guys, they found out that there's a group of people that can handle super high doses of LSD. And they became kind of like this higher level of being, so to speak, or of knowledge where they were able to understand all these different things simultaneously. They were able to communicate with each other at long distances without phones or anything like that. There was this society, this group of eight guys that had this super skill. They became superhumans. Now, they're all in jail. They've all been locked away. They're all considered crazy. And I think a lot of people who may hear this may be like, well, they were on acid, and I'm sure they were just tripping their their faces off and thought they could do these things. But this book talks about a lot of the miracles they could actually do. And this is basically a guy is being interviewed in prison. He wrote, actually, no, he wrote, this whole book while he was in prison on with pencil and paper. It's a massive book. I recommend reading it. The Rose of Paracelsus. And I do not remember the author's name, but... Sounds amazing. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. So this is... I believe it. I mean, I've had those experiences where touching on that, you know, I can see how if you take a million doses, if you can handle it, if you're, you know... I think some people would just probably go lose the plot because they wouldn't be able to handle it. But because of prior traumas, unresolved traumas, exactly. health issues, which, you know, those are manufactured through environment, through the nature. Their mind isn't ready for No. It. But that that goes for anyone who's sitting on top of a mountain for 10 years and becoming spiritually evolved. Like, yeah. it's like, how many people can actually handle that kind of totally. knowledge downloads? So what if, what if there was a way for humanity to evolve simultaneously? Like every human being all of a sudden has this realization at once that something is a lie. And through that, we have this great evolution of consciousness because we're able to see that we're here together on this planet, ship, earth, whatever you want to call it. We're all the same thing. We're all the same thing. Well, what do you think it would take for that simultaneous realization? That's the question, right? And I wonder if like... it just happen? If it can happen for anybody, why not for everybody? How did it happen in old societies? So if you listen to old uh, stories of Plato, Plato, what was he? Was he from Greece? He, uh, yes. Plato's from Greece, and Greece was very evolved at this time. Plato went down to Egypt, and he said, the Grecians, our system of knowledge is like we're children compared to the knowledge of Egypt. That. Yeah. Can you imagine? Wasn't that Pythagoras? Too, or I think he studied with them or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Pythagoras was in Greece. No, yeah. this is Plato because Plato also talked about Atlantis. There's old stories of Plato talking about Atlantis, and I can't believe people still refute to this day about Atlantis. I mean, I know there's Atlantis, I've seen it. No, I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I've been there, I was there. Um, and all Atlantis is is a lost advanced civilization that we have either intentionally or unintentionally forgotten about. Or it's just a lost part of the psyche. And this maybe this is where the gap of knowledge or memory is. Is Atlantis, this part of our mind, has disappeared. And because of that, we forgot who we were. Like, what if that was the key to our, our total collective memory? So, this has been an interesting process for me, watching um, Wyra, Scott's dog, have puppies. 
somehow intuitively she knows exactly how to take care of those puppies when they're ready to start weaning off of milk, when they're ready to start peeing, all these weird things that they know just intuitively. This is their collective memory of dog. Humans have that as well. But we're kind of like separating from this intuitive knowledge that has existed through humanity. Like if you get thrown out into a forest by yourself, hopefully you start to remember how to take care of yourself in a forest. But there's this greater sense of knowledge that's a bit deeper down, which is the collective memory of humanity. What is that gap? Why has Atlantis disappeared? Or Mu, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Lemuria. Like these parts of our mind. And why is it that we only use, what is it, 5% of our brain or whatever it is that they've been able to somehow identify? Why is the rest of it there then? But what if that's just a trick too to be like, you can only use 5% of your brain. Right. I view it as there's 95 more percent of your brain (laughs) that you can use. We better figure it out. What if you're using it all the time, but you just need to learn how to actually use it? How to how to direct it. it. Yeah. How to direct it and focus it. Yeah. Yeah, what if? What if? My, I talked to my teacher, Ernesto, once, because he had this, you know, he's a tabaquero, tobacco maestro, and his whole journey, he, when he was like seven years old, he started learning with his grandfather, and he drank some plant, I forget what it was, but he had this experience that changed his whole life, where he, the way he describes it, he saw God. And when he describes it more, I interpret it as like he had the most powerful psychedelic experience you can imagine where everything dissolved and he saw all as, all as one. Uh, he saw just pure light. And, and I was like, wow, you know, can, uh, can, we, can everyone have that experience? He's like, no, it's too much. People aren't ready. It's, it's, he was just like, it's, it's like, it's too much. Like people would die. So in his view, it's like we're not, most humans are just not ready for it. He was a kid, maybe. He was still open. He didn't have traumas. He didn't have things that would, they would block that experience and turn it into something incredibly traumatizing, frightening, or even lethal, you know? So so it's like we have the capacity to have that experience, but maybe our journey is like about preparing ourselves for it so that when we do have it, we're ready. And we, uh, it's unimpeded by our own, stuff and our ego and our attachment to our identity and our stories and what we think is true and what we think is real dissolve your egos ladies and gentlemen yeah or or just don't believe your ego that's the first step don't take it so seriously (laughs) it's not you yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not you But, I, you know, going back to your, your statement on the news, the positive news, I think that just shed a light on how true that is. Like, when have I ever heard, like, a positive news story other than the the lucky dog that saved a kid from a river? Woo! These really small snippets of positive stories or the water skiing squirrel, you know? It's always about animals, cute yeah. animals. <laughs> Like cute story, which is great, but why not apply that to the big stories of the world? You know, why not propose positive outcomes from all the strife that's happening? 
why not turn it around and view it as like this is the medicine and if we take it as medicine then this is what it can lead to and we can continue to wake up to who we are and continue to shed the shed the the perpetual attachment to our own identity which is just enslaving us oh that web of maya the web of sticky thoughts my we my daughter one of her favorite books is called the hug who got stuck <laughs> and it's amazing and it's basically about like that deep inside each every single heart is a hug factory and the 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 keys to giving a great hug there's three keys the first one is um focus entirely on the heart the hug is meant for uh the second one is oh no the first one is uh yeah the first one is breathe in love and and positive and light and just breathe in good goodness focus entirely on the heart the hug is meant for and the third one is don't pay attention to the web of sticky thoughts and in this story like in one of these hug factories in someone's heart there's a hug that gets stuck in the web of sticky thoughts and it's stuck and the web of sticky thoughts it's like i'm not good enough uh i'm not loved i'm you know and it gets stuck and so all the other hugs get stuck because they get backed up in the hug factory they can't get out and then other hugs can't enter the heart and and the whole world gets a little bit darker because this hug is stuck in the web of sticky thoughts. And um, and then eventually... It's a children's book? Yeah, it's amazing. What? With beautiful art. And then eventually the hug remembers uh, to not pay attention to the web of sticky thoughts. And he breaks free and he's free. And then all the hugs are free. And then the world is bright again. So, yeah, it's, such a, it's like a whole series of books. I forget the name of the author. Andrew something... And uh, it's just like, con it's called Conscious Bedtime Stories. And it's all just like cool stuff like that. Uh, the Hug Who Got Stuck is a really good one. At first she was more into like eating the pages and tearing them. But now she's like into the pictures. And eventually she'll understand the story a bit more too. She probably already understands it. But she probably so already knows. Hopefully won't forget it. That's yeah. The There's a, this, that's a beautiful book. I feel like all... Uh, yeah, it's we for me. That. It's for adults too. Right? right. Every time I'm reading, I'm like, oh yeah, the hug, the web of sticky done. thoughts. <laughs> focus entirely. Breathe in, love. Focus entirely on the heart. The hug is meant for. Just like put all your, like the hug is really meaningful when it's like that. Huh. Wow. It reminds me of the story of all children are born into the world, knowing the secret to life, and it isn't until they're about five or six that they forget. And over time, they forget. So this man went to his son, and he asked him, he said, what's the secret to life? And the kid leaned over and says, shh, it's a secret. And then a few years go by, and he goes back, and he asks the son, what's the secret to life? He says, okay, I'll tell you. I'm not going to finish the story. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember. And that's the sad part. But <laughs> there's a there's another line that I actually forgot myself. <laughs> it's interesting. I forgot the story about the secret of life. But I see that in my daughter. Like she's I mean, she's just so happy and open and innocent and free. And you can tell she she gets it, you know. And now her imagination is coming online, so she's like talking to her dolls and like 
she has this like wooden bird toy and she's like flying it around it's so cool you know and it's like that's yeah I feel like life is like a journey of being born free and then forgetting that some for some of us we forget it quickly because of what happens in childhood and then the the path becomes if we're on the path if we choose to be on the path about remembering that you know so kids have a lot of kids are teachers you know especially like before they can talk well there's no like they're not labeling everything they're just with it which makes me wonder like how do you really properly allow a child to unfold into this world without shedding darkness in their mind of your own illusions you know yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a challenge man and it, and also i you know i have to uh, as a father i think it's about accepting that she's going to be exposed to life to, to the world to people maybe some people won't be nice to her and you know it's like i'm not gonna can't shield her from that shelter from that you know that she i believe she we all choose to incarnate here to learn lessons so all i can do is just like facilitate her growth to be a resilient and resourceful and kind and compassionate person who's resourced and free and but then she goes into the world and she'll have you know she'll probably have challenges and that's the nature of life it's a little i'm sure there will be heartbreaking moments you know witnessing that you know and seeing how she has to go through that but maybe not but uh yeah hmm well at least she knows the hug that got stuck yeah i wish i knew that yeah, me too. I know it's such a great book. She has some. She has some, all of her books are really good. My favorite one is a Dr. Seuss book we have of her. It's um, the places you'll go. One of my favorites. I know it by heart. Oh yeah. Congratulations! Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. <clears throat> you have brains in your head. You have shoes in your feet. You, oh no, you have you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the girl or the guy who'll decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And there may not be any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that hang-ups and bang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump and chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right, or right in three quarters, or maybe not quite? Or go around back and sneak in from behind? Simple it's not, I'm afraid you will find for a mind-maker-upper to make up his mind. 
You can get so confused that you'll start into race down long wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish wild space headed, I fear, toward a most useless place, the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a bus to come or a train to go or a plane to come or the rain to go or the something something or the snow to snow, waiting around for a yes or a no or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for wind to fly a kite or waiting around for Friday night or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake or a pot to boil or a better break or a string of pearls or a wig with curls or a pair of pants or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. No, that's not for you. Somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying and find the bright places where boom bands are playing. With banner flip flapping once more, you'll ride high, ready for anything under the sky, ready because you're that kind of a guy. Oh, the places you go. There is fun to be done. There are points to be scored. There are games to be won. And the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame. You'll be famous as famous can be with the whole wide world watching you win on TV. (gasps) Except when they don't. Because sometimes they won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that... Oh, no. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win because you'll play against you. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go, though the weather be foul. On you will go, though the though your enemies prowl. On you will go, though the hacken cracks howl. Onward up many a frightening creek, though your arms may get snore, sore and your sneakers may leak. On and on you will hike, and I know you'll hike far and face up to your problems, whatever they are. And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 99 and three quarters percent guaranteed. I changed it to 103 quarters percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your name Buxbum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai, Ali, Van Allen, O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. That's the story. I've read it so many times that eventually I was like, oh, I've memorized this thing. <laughs> it's a great story about that. You know, it's like life. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. And you just keep going and you learn and you grow. And yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. I have to wrap it up, man. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> Thank you. I was wrapped up in that story. Well, there. man, you memorize all these movies. At least I memorized one book. <laughs> one chat, I think that's more Dr. useful Seuss. than all these movies. I don't know, man. Those <laughs> Matrix quotes and those Bill Hicks quotes are pretty damn useful, too. <laughs> And I'm sure some of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine ones as well. Those are nice. I would watch that too, man. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like in facilitating retreats, be like, okay, what can I watch just to like laugh and just something lighthearted, you know, like facing so much process. And that show was amazing. I love it. It's super lighthearted. Yeah. It's, yeah. Andy Samberg is great. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. Cool, man. Cool, man. I was really wrapped up in that podcast. <laughs> well. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys and Thank- gals. We love you. We love you all. And we'll see you uh, next time on Beyond Words. On Beyond Words. Thanks for your love, support. We love you. We love you all. Peace out. Peace.